for us to understand this process of dying to self, this tension, point one is so important. Number one, there is freedom through serving. It's a paradox. There's freedom through serving. And, and so many times we try to be free outside of this concept. But as a Christian, if you can understand this, then it'll actually propel you forward in your walk with God and how you do it. Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Paul writing again, he said, Don't you realize that you became and you become the slave of whoever you choose to obey? And people say to me all the time, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a slave to anybody. I just do what I want to do. You're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to your, your, your own appetites. You're a slave to your own ideals. You're a slave to your preferences. You're slaves to your prejudices. And here's the problem. What if you are wrong? I mean, you may not be. You may actually be better than everybody else on the planet. I'm not arguing with that. But what if, what if you're fundamentally flawed? What if you don't have all the answers? What if you get to the end of your life and you suddenly realize it actually wasn't about me? I remember going to church, and uh, I've been to church a lot, uh, you know, um, uh, and uh, I was brought up on the, the uh, floors of the church as a young punk and, you know, did all my thing. And, and, um, and when we were at Brisbane, we, uh, we'd have five, I went to more services than Sam. So, uh, you know, uh, by one, <laughs> that's it. And uh, yeah, by one. But I'm a lot older than Sam. I'm 64. I look good, don't I? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Wait, I'm dyslexic too, 46. And, um, and I remember this concept, I thought about this whole coming to these services thing. And, and, I'm, and I say this to people all the time. At what point have you gone to enough meetings? At what point have you heard enough messages? At what point have you come and sat in that third row enough times that, that you actually go, you know what, I've heard a lot of messages. I've heard maybe thousands, tens of thousands of messages sung so many songs all the way back to this is the day that the Lord has made in the key of D. You know, at what point, at what point do you go, I've actually had enough going in. Maybe it's not about me anymore. I say that as a pastor, I go to my guys, when do I get to come to a church service to get ministered to? And I say, then they go, well, yeah, yeah that's right, you don't, you're always giving. And I said, see, you're, you're already wrong. The paradox is, when I give out, I get ministered to. There is freedom through serving. There is through freedom through connecting to the vision. Pastor Sam talked about it, the purpose, a purpose-driven life will just ignite something on the inside of you, get you up in the morning. Paul goes on to say, thank God that once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we've given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you become slaves to righteous living. Why is this? Because you and, and me, we were created. We were designed in Christ Jesus for good works, the Bible tells us. So think about this. So you're never as free as when you're doing what you were born to do. God sets the members in the body as He ought. And the most freedom you'll have, the greatest days of your life, is when you're activating those gifts and talents that God has placed on the inside of you. And people say, I don't know what they are. Then just start serving. But what if I start and I don't really like it? Change it. Do something else. I, I don't even like kids. I know I don't either. And I had five of them. And if all goes according, they're going to breed and produce more. 
I can't even remember their names. You, kid. <laughs> Over there. Number five. There is such a great freedom in serving, though, when you're activating the gifts in your life. And uh, I, I was thinking about this because you were created to do it. A couple of years ago, there was a big furore. I like that word, furore. I always try to work it into a message. Furore. Uh, in the media about, you know, how badly they treat racehorses and stuff like that. And I had some friends who were in the racing industry at the time. And, um, and they were like, man, they got no idea that these racehorses live better than a lot of people live. And I, I, I was talking to a, a guy that I know, and I said, what do you think about this whole thing? And he barely even gave it a thought. He just kind of shrugged his shoulders as he walked away and said this, racehorses love to race. He said, it just doesn't matter. And it reminded me in an instant of, of uh, a story that happened to me a number of years ago. Um, ever been, have you ever been horse riding? You ever been to the horse and they put the daggy helmets on you, and they put you on this horse that is half dead? Uh, you know, it's going to get one more go, then it goes to the glue factory. Or it may die with you on it. Well, I, you know, if, if you know me a little bit, I don't like that wimpy kind of thing. If I'm getting on a horse, I want horsepower. And so, I, I, you know, you'd think I would learn, but I'm a slow learner. And so I turn up and I go, I don't want one of your half-dead horses. I said, give me a horse with some spirit. And I should have known that that was probably stupid. But I didn't. And I didn't notice the little twinkle in his eye when he goes, all right then. So he brings out this horse. It was a pretty big horse. It was bigger than all the rest of the horses. He goes, you'll love this horse. This horse is pretty spirited. And, uh, and now the horse was still pretty old. It had gray flecks through his body and stuff like that. And he goes, he's an ex-racehorse. He's been retired for a quite a number of years now. So he's he kind of calmed down, but he's still got some spirit about him. So I'm getting to know the horse, nice horsey, and uh, walking around it going, wow, this is going to be fun. And he goes, oh, just one thing. Uh, where he, he gets a bit skittish. He said, when you turn to home, he wants to go home quickly. And he said, because he's a racehorse, if there's any horse in front of him, at all, he'll want to be in front of that horse because racehorses love to race. All righty, cool. One more thing. His name is Lightning. <laughs> At that point, I suddenly realized I potentially was in trouble because there was only one kind of problem with all this. I can't really ride a horse. And I've never let that get in the way just because you can't do anything. And I thought, you know, the horse doesn't know I can't ride. I'll pretend I can. How difficult can it be? So off we start. Me and Lightning, we're bonding. And, uh, and I'm clever. I, I, I know. I know you don't think I'm that clever. I'm really clever. I slowly work my way back to the back of the line so that when we turned around, I would be at the front of the line. Thank you very much. I'm so clever. Yes. So we are riding, and I'm kind of getting the hang of this thing. We did some trotting. We even did a gallop, and that was kind of cool because he bumped back up to the front, slowly walked him back. And, uh, and then there came that moment when we had to turn around. And the, the guide said, okay, we're going to turn around and head back now just to kind of the way that we came. Fantastic. So I turned lightning around, and we began to go forward, and then his head kind of 
picked up and his ears turned. And I remember going, uh-oh. And then we took off, because what I hadn't noticed, far in the distance, not on the road, not on the trail, in a paddock that wasn't even connected to anything, was a horse. And lightning, true to his name, leapt forward. And all I remember was, everybody's a man of faith. Lord Jesus! As we take off down this road, you know, the gravel road, and we are flying along. And I'm thinking, if I survive, this is going to be the best story ever. Next thing to my horror, we're coming up to, you know, the, the cattle grid things? The little grids right across the road. See, because we'd walk through those, open the gate, walk through, and kind of, you know, close the gate. Beautiful. Lightning is flying, and I'm going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. And so I'm trying to talk to him. Hey, horsey, <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a man on your back here, remember? And uh, I'm just trying to hang on for dear life. And then I remember going, I had one kind of foot forward and one back because I thought, I don't know whether he's going to stop or go. Or I don't know what he's going to do. Next thing, this horse just leaps meters before the grid, flies over it, and I land forward and, oh, and uh, I remember calling on Jesus again, and it was amazing because I remember seeing stars and hearing angels, and, uh, and then I recover, and I'm still on the horse. I can't believe it. I'm on the horse, and we're flying along, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm just going, okay, 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 and we're coming up to another cattle grid. All right, all right, and I'm kind of tentative. Are we, you know, I, I, I don't know. Was that a fluke? Is he going to? Yep. Bam. Off he goes, flying through the air, and I'm, I'm a little bit better positioned. I land. I'm okay. I'm breathing, and now I'm back to being a professional rider. So we're flying along again, and I'm kind of like just enjoying the scenery, coming down the inside track as Ricky's on the horse. He's a magnificent rider. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, I can imagine people going, wow, because they saw me do the two jumps. Wow, this guy can ride. So we're coming up to the third and last scatter grid, and I'm, I'm positioned now. I lean my feet back. I, I'm, we're going to do this. You and me, Lightning, we're in, I feel it. And anyway, we go and he doesn't, but I do. Because that's the thing with kinetic energy. I'm going. And I remember at the point I passed his head and looking back, he's looking at me, what are you doing? I'm looking at him, what are you doing? And I, tur- I turned ever so slightly and I remember going, this is not going to end well. I woke back up at the farm and uh, I land on the road and, and then they took me uh, into, I remember, Ip- Ipswich Hospital, and they had a scrubbing brush scrubbing the gravel out of my shoulder. And, and I remember going, I'm going to eat that horse one day. <laughs> I don't know what, why did he stop. Maybe he just didn't like men. And uh, we think maybe there was a snake or something. But the, but the point is this, racehorses love to race. When you find what you, your fit, what you can do, where you serve, you find that in that moment, it just ignites something in the inside of you. That, that there is such a great freedom in serving. That horse was never so happy than bolting its heart out. Vincent Nicholas said this, the paradox of faith is that when we conform our lives to Christ, then we gain our true freedom and its fruit is profound and lasting happiness. The greatest joy you'll ever find in your world is when you're doing something for the kingdom. 
doing something for somebody else, speaking, sowing, giving, using your time, your treasure, your talents to minister into somebody else's world. Number two, there's strength through weakness. There is strength through weakness. What a paradox. And the statement is this, that greatness requires sacrifice to activate this. And I said, greatness requires sacrifice to activate it. What does that even mean? It means this, that, that when you feel the fear, when you see the weakness, you tremble and you even stumble a little bit, maybe even question your ability, yourself and even your sanity, and you do it anyway. When you, all of that is going on in your world and yet you go, I'm still going to step up. That's strength through weakness. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 12. You know the scripture. Paul said these words. He said, concerning the things that that I was battling with in my life, he said he had this this challenge, this weakness. He said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you to understand that this was the guy who wrote these words, which we just read in Galatians 2. I am not going back on this. This is the guy who understood that without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is a guy who said, you don't beg God. You approach the throne with boldness and confidence. Yet I just read right here in the Bible, he said these words, I didn't come boldly before it. I didn't come proclaiming the word of God. He said these words, I begged God. This is so big a deal in my life, said Paul. I came to God begging, I can't do this, Lord. My ministry is not going to work, Father God. And not just once, he said, I came before him begging him three times until God said, this is getting embarrassing. And said to Paul, listen, you need to understand something. It was never about your ability. It was never about your strength, never about you having it all together. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then I love this, how this verse turns in an instant 180 degrees. The guy starts by begging God, imploring God to release him from this thing. And the verse ends by, he says this, what? He said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ could rest upon me. In a heartbeat, he's turned this whole thing around. Then he gets a bit of momentum and he goes, man, therefore, I'm taking pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For this was a revelation for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, the scariest place to be is when you think that you don't need God. When you finally think, I've got this all together. When you finally realize that moment that, that things have come together in your life. But there is strength and weakness. I remember many years ago, I was down the Gold Coast and, and uh, we had a, a very successful youth ministry down there. Had quite a few hundred in it. One of the biggest youth facilities in the Southern Hemisphere at that time. And um, never been bigger still to this day. And we had the honor of taking Sunday night church service. The whole thing. From the door greeters, car park attendants, you know, sound lighting guys, um, multimedia, the whole band. We had four bands in our youth department. The speakers up there, prayer, everything. Ministers, hosts, the whole lot. Everything was done by us. And I remember sitting back as a youth pastor and, and watching everybody do everything, you know, that we trained up. We'd, and we'd spent a lot of time, seven years, putting into these guys, developing. And I remember driving home and, it, you know, it was one of those meetings where everything actually worked. <laughs> which is a miracle. And, uh, you know, everything, all the cues were on time. Everything kind of flowed really, really well. 
And I'm driving home and God began to speak to me. And he goes, Rick, tonight, wow. And I'm going, I know, wow. And he goes, you know, it, it started on time. Everybody was in place. Yeah. The praise and worship, man, the band, not one note out. The singers were brilliant. Not too much, but just, you know, fantastic. The transition, smooth. Woo. The preaching of the word, Rick, you owned it, man. That congregation was in the palm of your hand. You were so very good at preaching the gospel. You're masterful. You could have asked them to do anything. They were with you. Closed it with an emotive story. Even I was moved, said God. Closed out the meeting. Celebration. Nobody left without being greeted. Fantastic. I said, I know, I know. And right about now, again, I'm, I'm starting to get worried that God is, because he, he doesn't normally talk to me like that. He goes, hey, idiot. You know, normally that's how we start. And, uh, and he goes, and all of that without me. I pulled over the side of the road and bawled my eyes out because I realized what profits a man if he gains the whole world? Because, because something born out of the flesh can never reproduce in the spirit. That's a paradox. That which is born of the spirit reproduces in the spirit. But, but understanding, see, I was operating out of my strength, not my weakness. So from that day to this, never, I'm, I promise you, my hand on my heart, never. I've never walked up those stairs without going, please, dear Jesus, be with me. Because in that place of weakness, in that moment that we come, when I come to that place that I'm done, when I do my best and I fall short, in that place, in that moment, I see grace like I've never seen before. You know, even Jesus in his humanity facing the cross said to the disciples, Hey, 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 guys, come with me. I can't do this on my own. Peter, James, and John, I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray for me. They couldn't do it. Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass me by, in, in that moment of weakness, he became incredibly strong because despite that, despite this drops of blood that poured from his head, he stood up. Where's Jesus of Nazareth? I'm he. I'm he in my weakness. I boast in my weakness because every day I get to celebrate how God can take a broken vessel, still somehow use it for his glory. Amen. I don't have it together. Great. Then you won't preach like you know it all. I don't, have, I don't have everything kind of sorted out. I, I, you know, I struggle in my daily walk. Fantastic. Then you'll pay attention to your daily walk. You won't just take it for granted. Finally, this morning, number three, living through dying. It's a paradox. Living through dying. John chapter 12 said these words. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, is buried, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, if it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over, in the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. So many people trying to add value to their life by holding on to it with both hands. But the Bible says, let it go. The point is to realize that your life is exactly like a seed. You will never know real life until you can learn to die, to release it. That's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, if we die with him, we'll also live with him as the band comes this morning. Galatians chapter 5 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh. 
their godly human nature with its passions, its appetites, and desires. Past tense, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. But who knows, the flesh struggles to rise its head every single day. And so in Romans 8, it says these words, Because if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you'll surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are, I love this, habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds, the promptings by the body, you shall really genuinely live forever. Just as living is done day by day, so too is dying day by day. This life as a Christ follower is no longer just mine. I've got to keep the tension in the paradox that every day I wake up, part of me is always going to want to serve me. But a greater part of me is going to serve Him. And the truth is, we fail at it more than we succeed. But the great news is that if we die, then we truly live. As we make that decision again and again, but I fell down, fantastic, get back up. But I walked away, walk back in. <laughs> but, I, but I almost given up, but you didn't. I just don't even know what to do, but you're here today. What an amazing thing. When we understand that there is freedom through serving, that there's strength even in the midst of our weakness. And in fact, we can boast in that because we realize that God's grace is here. As we close our eyes and bow our heads this morning in this house. I don't know where you are in York with God, but I can promise you just like me, you face that daily struggle, the paradox, the challenge, trying to keep it all together. If you're a parent, it's even more difficult because these little people are watching your every move. As you're older, you're supposed to. You're meant to have it all together. But nobody told you how. Can I tell you this morning, you don't need to have it all together. You've just got to stay connected. And so right where you are, without excusing it, without excusing the struggle, I want to pray for you in your life, in your walk, in the paradox where, where you, like me, perhaps go, I love Jesus, but I find myself serving the flesh. I, I want to be hot for God, but I find myself running after the things of this world. But in the middle of that, somewhere, quiet, still voice, saying, Lord, would you draw me to you? Would your grace be sufficient for me, even in these areas of my weakness? that I can get to that place like Paul where I could boast in that because I'm connected to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every heart, you see every life here. We invite you to come flood our world. Help us never excuse the tension, but understand the paradox. That was never about having it all together. It's just always been about you. So we reach out and we hold on to you with both hands in Jesus' name. Maybe you came in here this morning and you did that. You've been away from God. Maybe you've never really known Him. Maybe you've come to church and, uh, and you know about God, but you don't really know Him. Maybe you know a little bit about religion, but can I tell you, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And so this morning, I want to pray for you so that you can understand what it's like to have no condemnation, nothing hanging over your head that you can feel totally free. And it's as simple as making that decision today to go, you know what, I'm going to accept what the Bible says about Jesus. I'm going to accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace that ideal 
that I'm not even sure yet how to outwork that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to get some people in and around my world to help me in that. And if you're in that place this morning and God has been speaking to you, maybe for the first time, maybe you just know you've got to do this and make this decision. I'd love you to be so bold enough to lift your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down so that I can pray with you right where you're sitting today. I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you, sir. See that hand. Who else this morning in this place? Awesome. God is speaking to you. God bless you, darling. I see that hand at the back there. Good on you. That's a great decision. So good. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss anybody. Some of you have been teetering back and forward on that journey. Hot, cold, struggling. You need an assurance of Jesus in your world. Thank you, Father God. Well, Father, I thank you. You saw the hands that went up this morning. Much, much more you saw hearts that opened up. So in this place right now, we thank you for these two incredible lives that have made a decision for Jesus. May you pour out your grace and your favor and your blessing on them. May you make yourself known to them as we help pray and walk with them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you very much.